Good morning to all of you. Uh, this morning we will be continuing our series on things that matter, and we will be taking a look at the Word of God. During the last 16 months, the focus for many of us has been on what we have lost. We've all lost the freedom to go without a mask. (laughs) We've all been unable to meet up with friends and family like before. We've all been unable to meet up with friends and have lost jobs. We've had to close businesses, perhaps. We may have lost friends and family who have died. But we often fail to appreciate and be thankful for what we have gained. Many of us have gained time by being able to work from home. We no longer have to spend an hour, hour and a half, even two hours traveling to the office and coming back home at night. And even if we have not been able to work from home, we have gained time because those of us that do work at the office or some other place outside of the PPKM time have less traffic to face. But I have a few questions for you. How have you spent that extra time that you've gained? Have you been using this time wisely, or is it being wasted? Today we will look at instructions given by God through Moses almost 3,500 years ago to the nation of Israel regarding how kings were to be selected and what those kings were to do and not to do. Don't dismiss these instructions as being irrelevant to you today because you think they're outdated because so much time has passed since those instructions were given or because they were addressed to the nation of Israel, not to those of us living in Indonesia, or because these instructions are for the leaders of Israel and you don't consider yourself a leader. I strongly believe that the advice that we will read today is relevant for you whether you're a leader today or you might become a leader in the future. And you may not have realized it, but most of us either are leaders today or would become leaders in the future. You need to pay attention. If you were a husband or a father, you were called to be a leader in your home, and you need to listen. And if you aspire to be a husband or a father and thus a leader in the future, you need to pay attention. If you were a mother or desire to be a mother someday, you are or may become a leader to your children. And you need to pay attention. If you are presently a supervisor in your business or profession or want to become one in the future, you are or may become a leader and you need to listen. If you currently oversee people in a church ministry or aspire to do so someday, you are or may become a leader and you need to pay attention. Before we begin, let's pray together that the Lord will show us how this passage is relevant to us today and how we should apply this passage in our daily lives, whether we are leaders already or whether we aspire to be leaders in the future. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and the lessons that we can learn from it. We know that many in our congregation are already leaders and you will raise up many more from the congregation at GICF. And I pray that we would 
be a congregation, we would be a people that would keep in mind the instructions that you've laid out for leaders. And in particular, in this passage today, the the instructions you gave to the uh, people about the king of Israel, what that king was to do and not to do. I pray that you'd open our minds and our hearts and help us understand how what we're learning today can be relevant on our own specific situation. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, please turn with me, if you would, to the passage that we'll be looking at this morning. It's Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 20. I'm using the uh, New International Version. But before we dive into the passage, I would like to provide you with some brief context for what we're about to read. I'd like to have you look at the timeline of Israel. As you can see from this timeline of the nation of Israel, it is estimated that Israel entered the Promised Land in around 1440 B.C. And as I mentioned before, if you do some calculation, that's about 3,500 years ago, a long time. This was after Moses had handed down the commands of the Lord to Israel, which we will look at today in Deuteronomy 17. Right before Moses and the people, or the the people entered the land and Moses died, Moses gave these instructions to the people of Israel and to the future kings of Israel regarding the selection of the king and what the king was to do and what the king was not to do. You can see from this timeline, however, that Israel did not have a king for many years before King Saul was uh, selected. That's almost, as I calculated, about 43% of Israel's history before they were exiled to uh, Babylon and and Jerusalem fell. They did not have a king. Even though it was God's desire that they not have a king, because God said he was their king, he knew that there would come a time when they would eventually want a king. And in anticipation of that day, God gave, through Moses, the commands that we're about to read today. Let's look together at Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 15. Let's read this together. When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, and have taken possession of it, and settled in it, and you say, let us set a king over us like all the other nations around us, be sure to appoint over you a king the Lord your God chooses. He must not be from among your fellow Israelites, or he must be from among your fellow Israelites. Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not an Israelite. As you can see, God anticipated the day when the Jewish people would demand to have a king, like all the other nations around them. And the Lord said that when that happened, they should allow God to be the one that chose the person who would be the king. And that king must be a fellow Israelite. In 1 Samuel 8, 5 through 9, we read about how this actually happened in history. At that point in time, close to 400 years after God gave this command, the elders of Israel approached Samuel the prophet and demanded to have a king. Let me read that passage for you. It says, They said to him, that's Samuel, You are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, 
this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, Listen to all the people are saying to you. It is not that you have the, they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know that the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. And then we read in 1 Samuel 10 that Samuel was installed Saul as the future king of Israel, the first king of Israel. He gathered all the tribes together, tribes of Israel, and he explained to the people, it says, the regulations of the kingship. Most probably what's referred to here is the passage that we're looking at this morning, Deuteronomy 17, in which the people were told the things that they should do in choosing a king, and they were also told the things that the king should do or the king should not do. There were three things that the king was not to do, and there were two things the king was to do. And I think we should all pay close attention to these, whether you are already a leader or you become a leader in the future, you need to take these to heart. Deuteronomy 17, as we continue in the passage, says, The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. So the first thing that the king was told not to do was he was not to trust in worldly power and acquire a great number of horses for himself. Horses, you see, were used for warfare. They would go into battle pulling chariots. And the best horses for warfare were said to be bred in Egypt. Horses represented power and prestige, and the Lord did not want the king of Israel to amass so many horses and chariots that he trusted in them rather than trusted, trusting in God to deliver him from their enemies. I am reminded of King David, who as a young man fought Goliath with no armor and only a slingshot. David trusted in God, and he had the correct attitude for a king or leader. In fact, we read in Psalm 20, verse 7, David says this, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. So I have a question we should ask each of ourselves. As a leader or future leader, do you trust in worldly power to solve your problems when you, sit, you face difficulty? Or do you put your trust in God to deliver you from those problems as he sees fit? Let's keep reading. As Moses gives God's commands, as he continues, he says, He must not take many wives, or his heart will be led astray. The second thing that the king was not supposed to do was he was not to be involved in unhealthy relationships and take many wives because his heart would be led astray. It was not unusual, you see, in those days for kings to marry the daughters of kings from the surrounding nations as a way of cementing alliances with those kings. But the surrounding nations did not worship Yahweh. And the Lord was concerned that the king of Israel would end up marrying the wives of these nations around 
of the the daughters of the of the surrounding kings, and those daughters of the surrounding kings would entice the king of Israel to forsake Yahweh and worship other gods. So I have a question that we can ask ourselves as a leader or future leader. Are you involved in unhealthy relationships with others in your personal life or your professional life that could lead your heart astray or perhaps even already have? Or are you on your guard to avoid entering into such relationships in the future? Let's continue. This passage says that he, the king, must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. The third thing that the king was not to do was to accumulate and hoard excessive wealth. The king was not supposed to collect large amounts of silver and gold. It it says that, um, it doesn't tell us, however, the reason for this. But it does say, perhaps that, um, it, it does indicate perhaps, I should say, that perhaps the king was charging too much in taxes. Or perhaps there was a concern that the king was not using the wealth that he had collected in taxes for the sake of the people within the Jewish nation that were poor and disadvantaged. Or perhaps there was a concern that the king might put his trust in excessive wealth rather than put his trust in the Lord. So I have a question, another question we should ask ourselves. As a leader or future leader, are we accumulating excessive wealth or are we desiring to accumulate excessive wealth? Or are you generous and and willing to share with those, especially within the body that have needs? So as we looked at the three things the king was not to do, it says that the king should avoid worldly power, unhealthy relationships, and excessive wealth. He was not to do those things, those three things. And by way of application, we also should not be pursuing these things as leaders or future leaders. Now let's look at the two things that the king should do. When he takes his throne, when he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical priests. You see, the first thing that a king was to do when he ascended to the throne was to make a copy of the scroll on which God's law had been written. Although it is not clear, this may have been either the book of Deuteronomy or what is called the law of Moses or the Torah. Even though the king of the king would normally have had scribes who would be writing for him. In this case, the king was to copy the law using his own hand. By doing so, the king of Israel would surely have become aware of what God's law was and what he was required to follow and obey. Let's keep reading. It says that this copy of the scroll that he was to make, it is to be with him, and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and to follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better 
than his fellow Israelites and turn from the law to the right or to the left. The second thing that we are told that the king should do is to take a scroll, take the scroll that he had copied by hand and read it every day. The king was to discipline himself and prioritize the reading of God's law every day. I'm sure the king was a busy man, and we are all busy too. But this was to be a priority for the king of Israel. And we are given three reasons why the king was to read God's law every day. First, it was so that the king would revere or fear the Lord his God. Secondly, it was so that the king would carefully follow all the words of the law. And then thirdly, it was so that the king would not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites. By reading God's law every day, the king would fear God because he would be reminded on a daily basis of God's awesome power and sovereignty. And also, not only that, but he would be reminded of the blessings awaiting those who obeyed God's law, but he would also be reminded of the punishment which awaited those who disobeyed God's law. By reading God's law every day, the king would understand and obey God's law. If he, he was to read it carefully every day, each day, so that the king would not forget what the law was, and the nation of Israel um, would be governed by someone who knew what he was to do as the king. God wanted the king to carefully follow all the words of this law and those de- these degrees. And the only way he could do that by, would be by reading the law and understanding it in, in depth. He was not to turn from the law to the right or to the left. And by reading God's law every day, the king would not become proud and consider himself better than his fellow Israelites. You see, the king would be reminded when he read the law every day that he too was under the authority of the same king as everyone else in Israel, our heavenly king, God our Father. And as he read God's word, he would certainly be reminded of his own sins and the need to offer sacrifices for those sins. In sum- summary, the, God, God was to cherish, the king rather was to cherish God's law, read it carefully every day, and obey it. Not just read it and understand it, but obey what he read. I was reminded of Psalm 19, 7 through 14, where King David clearly cherished God's law. Let me read it for you. This is what King David wrote. He said, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them, your servant is warned. In keeping with them, there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? And then David turns to God and he says, Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May the 
they not rule over me, then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Of course, even though David loved God's law, we read of, of occasions when he failed to obey it. But I suspect that King David did indeed read God's law each day as Israel's kings were commanded to do. He loved it so much, he held it close to him. And when he sinned, and he did, he confessed and repented of that sin. And on the whole, King David avoided falling into the sins of the many of the kings that followed him. So I have a question we should ask ourselves as a leader or future leader. Do you read God's word carefully every day so you know it and you may be careful to obey it? How can you possibly share God's word with others if you don't know God's word yourself? How can you teach it to your children as you should or the children you hope to have in the future if you don't know God's word? How can you possibly obey our Lord and disciple others if you don't know God's word? If you are not already doing so, I would challenge you today. Begin reading God's word every day, as the kings of Israel were instructed to do. Today, select a book in the Bible that you would like to read. Make a commitment to read at least one chapter every day. Decide upon a time to read God's Word every day. And a place. Perhaps you can choose a, a comfortable chair to sit in when you read it. And you may also do, wish to, to do as I do and play some, some quiet Christian instrumental music on Spotify when you read it and pray. If you make a commitment to read God's Word every day, you will wisely be spending a portion of the extra time that you have gained during this pandemic and you will develop a habit with eternal rewards, which I hope will last you even after the pandemic is over. And years from now, I hope that you will be able to look back at this pandemic and remember what you have gained, not what you have lost. Finally, this passage in Deuteronomy concludes with a promise a promise to the kings of Israel that they will reign a long time in Israel if they follow what God had commanded in the previous verses, the three things not to do and the two things that they should do. It says, then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. You may remember at the beginning of the sermon, when we looked at the timetable, the last king of Judah was exiled in 586 B.C after the kings of Judah had reigned for 464 years. What happened? Why did God bring the Babylonians to take them into exile? The Bible makes it clear that there were many of these kings that did not obey God's law. Perhaps some knew God's law and didn't obey it, or perhaps some of the kings never even knew what the law said because they never read it. Unfortunately, King's, King David's son, King Solomon, was one of those who disobeyed God. King Solomon did the very things 
that God commanded the kings of Israel not to do. God had given Solomon, King Solomon, great wisdom, but perhaps King Solomon had known the word and had forgotten it, or perhaps he was more interested in worldly wisdom than he was learning God's law every day. In 1 Kings 10 and 11, we read that King Solomon pursued the very things Israelis, Israel's kings were, were not to do. The first thing that we read about is that he accumulated worldly power. It says King Solomon accumulated 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses, which we read were imported from Egypt. He accumulated all these horses, and, and as a king, he was told he should not do that. And he should not go to Egypt to bring the horses to Israel. The second thing we read that he did was he involved himself in unhealthy relationships. It said King Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines, some of which were foreign nations, were from foreign nations who worshipped other gods. And we read that as King Solomon grew old, his wives led him astray and turned his heart to other gods. And the third thing that Solomon did that was in violation of this command in Deuteronomy is it said he accumulated excessive wealth. It said King Solomon collected 25 tons of gold annually and was said to be greater in riches than all the other kings of the earth. As a result of King Solomon's disobedience, we read that the Lord became angry with him. And as a result, the punishment was that God would tear the kingdom of Israel away from his son, who would be left ruling only the kingdom of Judah, where the tribe of Judah had settled. My prayer for each of us is that we will not follow in the footsteps of King Solomon, but that we will be the type of leaders God wants us to be who commit carefully reading God's word every day and not only reading it, but obeying what it says we should do and not doing the things that we're told we should not do. Let's pray. Lord, we are very saddened when we read the commands that you had given to the nation of Israel and to the future kings of Israel to not collect worldly power or to pursue unhealthy relationships or to accumulate excessive wealth. And when we read about Solomon and how he disobeyed you, we're saddened. Father, our desire is to do those things that you ask us to do. And in particular, we read that as, as leaders, we should be reading God's word every day and obeying what it says. And I pray for those in my hearing that we can all make that commitment today if we haven't already made it. I pray that with the extra time that we have during this pandemic, that we would make room for you. In our schedules, that we would spend time every day reading your word as we now pray this response song, Make Room. 
Amen.